Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health radio show where we talk about the crossroads of the environment and our health with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is, as we know, out working on the soundhealthportal.com. Currently, I'm still leaning toward, I used to do a long thing talking about the Sound Health Portal. I think it really makes more sense for people to go to the soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to the bottom, and click on the video tab, and pick a video of a workup, meaning that Sherry's doing a live online vocal profile with somebody, which all makes sense once you watch the video. And you'll get to actually pick one of her recent videos that she's done on something that you're interested in, or perhaps want to work on, and watch her actually take someone through the process from a recording all the way to running it through the software on the sound, which is now on the South and Health portal. And then seeing her do the charts and the highs and lows and look at states of imbalance. A high could mean a methylation issue. A low could be a methylation issue. You might have a high could be that you have too much of something and you're not assimilating it, not getting into the system. Or a low also may be that it's in there, but it can't be accessed because it's a the hitch and the get-along of the methylation system, something. And it's just amazing to see the visuals of the Sound Health Portal and get the idea of the scale and scope of the kind of information is really extraordinary. And then once you've watched that, then go back up to the top of the Sound Health Portal page and look at the current campaigns. And the campaign is some of the software packages that are available that are free to be used currently, such as stem cells or one of my personal favorites, neuroplasticity, where you look at how the brain's working. I think it's important to know how my brain's working a lot. Corona conflict, any number of things, and pick one of those, and it'll make much more sense as you walk through and get reports and everything. So that's my suggestion for the soundhealthportal.com. To hear a replay of this show with the adventure of Kathy Homeyer, which is really quite amazing. You can go to Talk To Me Guy, just like it sounds, all one word, talktomeguy.com, about 20 to 30 minutes after you hear the outro music, and scroll down this that page, and at the top of the current of the episodes page, there will be this page with Kathy, Kathy's information, all the links that we talk about, all sorts of information, because I'll update that page before it goes public with all the links that we talk about during the show. And you'll find that there, and you'll be able to listen to it. It's really designed to be very mobile-friendly, so that if you want to pull it up in your phone or tablet or any mobile device, you can. And there's a scroll down to the bottom of the text from the show or the show notes. And there's a player that, right there that works really well. And or there's, I think, another 12 podcast aggregators like Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Dogcatcher or Pocket Casts or all sorts of them, where it'll open your app and you can listen to it there. And at the bottom of that page, in the corner of the show notes, you'll see a little microphone. And if you want to tap on that, you can leave me a message, a voice message, and with questions or if you have a suggestion for somebody you'd like me to interview on the show or anything, and I'll get a notification about that and listen to it and get back to you. With that, Kathy Homeyer grew up in the Healing Woods, not far from where she and her family operate a restaurant and a small resort today. After college, she started off as an occupational therapist in Washington, D.C., getting a rounded look at therapy in nursing homes, hospitals, developmental centers, and schools. After a few years, she had had the chance to start her own company with other therapists, therapists at home and did just that. A few years later, the then current owners of the Lake Clear Lodge needed a manager lessee, and Kathy headed the call not fully realizing that she was continuing the mission of the original builders of the lodge, her great aunt. She ended up marrying the son of the current owner and jokes that they all came with the place. 
For the last 35 years, she has been the executive chef and homeschool mom, as she has had the lodge as her learning lab for developing her program, Nutritional Energetics. Combining energetics, food, and rejuvenation in a vacation for others, SPOT. Her programs can be seen on international summits, with one coming up soon. With what many people listening to this show understand as the search for personal health and energy, which is all frequency, she recently became a bara and is as fascinated by discovering the frequencies of the body and how to help people stay nourished. We believe there is a magic here. A natural gathering place where the Native Americans found it went beyond the air and the mountain majesty to the therapeutic qualities of the white pine and balsam. Kathy joins us to talk about nutritional energetics. Welcome, Kathy. Hi there. Nice to be here. I, every time I, I have one of the screens from the Clear Lake, from the lodge, it just looks spectacularly beautiful. It's just, it must be amazing to every day in the middle of winter when it's really quiet, just stand out on the deck or sit inside and look outside and have a nice, well, in my case, it'd be a perfectly brewed cup of coffee. But it just seems like it just feels from what I can see to be a healing environment. Is that, does that how it feel to you, even though I imagine the middle of summer, perhaps it could be slightly crazy? But in the winter, particularly? Um, yeah, and that's that's why I didn't know that I came back here, but I've had a lot of, um, I don't say, you know, whatever you want to call them, energy workers tell me that there is a portal here out on the lake. And um, it, it is really a healing place. Einstein was here, actually, on our shores. Uh, we thought so, but then we got a historian at, that sent us a picture. Um, so it's been the healing woods because of tuberculosis as well, um, way back. Wow. So that's really interesting. And combining it with what's going on now is really, really interesting, the way that they, um, you know, that's, that's another whole story. But, yeah, it started as a TB center, this area, this whole area. And we oh. found out this was a TB um, place and um, oh, lots of other things. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love being here. I love walking the property. There's just some special spots on the property I love being in. And uh, down by the lake, we even have a live webcam. So if anybody wants to see that area where we envision the portal as, it's lakeclearlodge.com backslash webcam. And it's a little covered with snow right now. But um, I love it when the lake goes out because it opens up. And I just feel like there is just a rush of healing energy just opening up in the spring. For a while when I was uh, studying you and reading and listening to stuff on the show, for the show, I had the webcam just on and every once in a while I'd look up and something would fly by or, you know, it's just, it's just stunning in its location Mm -hmm. and its beauty. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how you made the leap from occupational therapist to executive chef. That's, that's a jump. Yeah, it, it was a leap. Uh, you know, I grew up just a couple miles down the road. I actually used to work here when I was 14 and 15. And I thought, oh. so, the, my, well, my in-laws are now past, but never knowing that they were going to be in my in-laws or this weird son of theirs was going to be my husband. And uh, <laughs> I say weird. He's not that weird, but I married him anyway, obviously. But, um, uh, you know, he has kind of vision all his own. And, um, yeah, so I went, I thought, oh, you know, we're getting out of town, I'm I'm going to college, and I landed in uh, Washington, D.C., because my sister was there, and I thought, I'm going to work in this really big hospital, and I walked in the hospital, and literally, I just kind of shuddered, and I went, this is not the place for me, this this is not, <laughs> it just this feels totally wrong, so I went and uh, worked for a private rehab agency, and got to travel around with a team approach, which is awesome, with PT, OT, and speech, Uh, seeing clients in um, nursing homes, developmental centers, uh, schools when ADD and sensory integration first came out, you know, started to be visible and started to wonder what the heck is going on with our kids. Um, So I specialized in that for a little while and then came home because a couple of therapists said, hey, we really need OTs here um, in the schools and in the developmental centers, which we're branching out into homes. And I came back and started in the 80s. I was making $40 an hour plus travel time. And this came up, and um, the the homebuyers who I knew I stopped in, and they said, uh, you know, we need to retire. We don't know what we're going to do. 
Um, we're going to try and sell, but I don't know. Anyway, long story, I just literally made the jump and said, this is where I need to be. And uh, people thought it was nuts, and um, I was just working here for $100 a week. <laughs> wow. And uh, long story short, things worked out, and uh, here I am. Wow. And I was going to ask a different question, but I have to ask this now because it just so fits. How much do you think your years of doing occupational therapy and working with people who had conditions, how much, I, I, I will say this now, but unconscious intake of information do you think you took in about observing people and seeing how their thinking and their actions would affect their abilities to get, get healthier or better or however we want to describe that? I, I have the feeling that there was a lot of information gathered that now is really coming to for, coming to use for you in the sense of energetics about how thinkable people eat and what they do and what they consume. Because in the OT world, it's very much more physical, and I don't think people relate the mental state or everything they're thinking. Am I getting that right? Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I am so thankful for that. I mean, I, you know, dissected cadavers. I saw physical. uh, We we did neuroanatomy. But with OT, what you do is um, instead of, like, you know, lift weights, which is, you know, purposeful too, you take something that they are interested in. Say you have a hurt arm. Um, and, but this lady, uh, you know, did macrame at home. It was something she liked. So you would you would fix the macrame project so that she was concentrating on what she was doing, not how her muscle was feeling or how things were going. So the healing kind of came in a different air. So I, I loved occupational therapy because of that. Um, and um, you used to joke, PTs took the legs and OTs took the arms. But we did more <laughs> perception, um, you know, quote-unquote perception, and, and how people were looking at, at healing and uh, being creative and how to get it to that spot. Um, that's kind of one example in more of a, a hospital-type setting. But, yeah, absolutely, it was really interesting and to work with different therapists and different agencies and different ways that people um, – yeah, and and the kids. I remember some of those autistic kids were just so fascinating. Mhm, mhm. And I imagine at that time you weren't already thinking about the quantum field. We'll get back to that later. We don't have to dump into the quantum, jump into the quantum <laughs> field yet, although we always are. But you know, I just I think there's just a boatload of information in there from all your observation and touching and helping and caring. I just think it's a, a vast trove of research that you didn't know at the time you were even doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, even when uh, I came here at first, I just thought, you mm-hmm. know, I, I just jumped. I said, this, I'm just going to follow what my, my heart, my, where I'm being pushed, and there we go. We'll see what happens. Cause I can always go back to OT. There's always that. So I can always go back. And mm-hmm. um, just the first few years here of watching people come in and – kind of um, unconsciously kind of feeling energy. I mean, I've always been interested in that anyway. And I've always been into, I wanted to be a nutritionist. I, I read all the diet books. I read Adele Davis. I read, you know, all that sort of thing. And um, then pursuing, okay, why do diets, you know, not work? What, what's going on? So, yeah, all that was kind of stewing in the background <laughs> before I got into all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Stewing in the background. Very good for an example. Yeah, sorry. Chef. I love that. Thank <laughs> you. No, that was great. No, no, it was perfect. You did it completely unintentionally. It was just perfect. Just perfect. Thank you. Um, back for a minute, because I read or heard, by now I've read and heard so much about you, I can't, I, it just is all a blur. It's just in my mind of information. I heard you say you were shy and you had issues with the phrase holding space. <laughs> Would you play, and and having been a chef myself, I'm like, really? You had issues holding space? Wow! Uh, would you please talk more about that? Um, yeah, well, I was pretty shy through high school. I mean, it's a wonder I made it through the way I did. Every every day, I would go and just you know um, be a mess. And so I can really relate to these kids that go, you know, say I have anxiety. You know, where does it come from? Um, because I was supported in my life, and then my my parents supported me. Um, I didn't feel unsupported, but I was just really super shy. And whatever was kind of being said, it was like um, didn't really believe maybe or something. But yeah, I got through high school pretty well, and um, 
you know, did okay, but I, I never talked. Um, I, ne- I always sat back and listened and didn't feel like what I, either what I had to say was important or, wait a minute, I'm, I'm looking for more in there. Um, so, yeah, I made it through. And then, but once you find your passion, as you know, once you find what you're really interested in, you just dive and, um, <laughs> you know, see where you land. Yeah. And the phrase holding space seemed to be, I, I think I heard you talk about this. The, you never liked, you, you never liked thinking of a holding space. You weren't comfortable with the idea of holding space. Was that, do you think that was part of your shyness or you possibly um, you didn't think that you had the, whatever that word is to be a space holder or holding space? Yeah. Yeah. In, um, yeah. Interesting. Um, I haven't thought about that one for a while, but it, when, you know, in saying that, I thought, you know, people would say, well, you know, hold space for this or hold space for that, and I'm like, mm, that doesn't, whatever. But now I, you know, come full circle around and go, I feel like I'm holding space for this property. Um, mm-hmm. I'm the one holding space here, and this is where, I mean, I would probably never be a chef somewhere else. I mean, I did work in a lot of restaurants. <laughs> I did mm-hmm. do that. Um, but I don't think I'd be a chef anywhere else, but I feel like I, I'm holding the nourishing space here. Um, and then once you kind of find your spot, I think, you go, oh, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to hold my space. And then you really kind of go out and go for it. I mean, my kids totally think I'm wacky now. I'm not a shy little mom <laughs> anymore. And uh, they, uh, they kind of hold me back. But, <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah, so now, yeah, I think the holding space part, you know, I would hear energy workers say that one, holding space for you and whatever, and now it's, you know, once, like I said, I think once you're in your space, you feel more comfortable. Um, I mean, I do live here. This is my space to, you know, kind of command in a way um, with my family, and and where, where we didn't say was I've realized that um, my great aunt did the same thing here, and... Um, she was doing the same thing in a way. So they, my great aunt and uncle built this. And mm-hmm. I didn't really know that. I worked here, but, you know, when you're 14, you don't, yeah, I was in the family somewhere, but you don't really care. But then we started to do some research, and, um, you know, she died on the property and um, wow. had looked at different dates and things like that. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm continuing the mission, and uh, something led me back here to do that. Um, and in terms of holding a space so that people can come, not just do things online and, you know, look at people, um, but also come here too and provide a healing space while you're looking at maybe different voice prints or something like that. So, uh, yeah, we've worked pretty hard and we, and we do, and uh, we love this, the space that we're in at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can understand that. I have the webcam up. Um, I, totally <laughs> look forward, I totally look forward to the swag of a T-shirt that says Holding the Nourishing Space. So oh, cool. There's, there's that. one for you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm going uh, to adopt what you said before. I love what you said about the hitch and the get-along um, because that's exactly where I <laughs> I love, like like a lot of bears and people in, in this you know field, where, is, where the heck is the hitch and the get-along? <laughs> yeah. Why are we not? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we were talking about that backstage that it's like, you know, we've we've both been around a lot of people who talk about these are amazing times in which we live. And it's okay, okay, and, and, you know, where is the hitch and the get along that's, we have so many people such as yourself out there holding space, let's, I'm, people who know me are surprised that I'm a fan of community, because I'm so like, not a community, I'm a person in a room talking to myself into a microphone. (laughs) I mean, really, that's what doing radio is. And so it doesn't seem like I'm a community person, but I'm becoming more of a community idea. And, and part of that is because I'm also a fan of wolves. And if you look at the wolves as a community life, and we'll, I guess we'll jump to this next, talking about what you talk about symbiosis. Wolves are the most, there are many other animals that are, but I have just know a lot of people that have worked with wolves, are amazing about community and their environment and being aware of each other at all times and stopping and playing about every half hour. You know, they, they, they live their life. They take care of where they are. They care for each other. Yes, they'll fight. Yes, they'll snarl. But they're not going to kill each other, and they're not going to destroy where they are. And they, they take care of each other, and they wander around and do what they do. And it's an amazing thing, which leads me to ask you about the 
symbiosis of being in nature. How did that come into a focus for you? Was it being at the lodge that really brought you into the idea of thinking about symbiosis? Or were you already leaning that way and in a certain way as you became the chief, the you know, Captain Kirk at the helm of the lodge? Was it <laughs> um, then the symbiosis really lit up for you? Uh, well, I grew up out here, so, uh, you know, and you know, didn't have computers. So we were outside. I was running, biking. I was in the lake, on the lake, on the, you know, old railroad tracks, climbing trees. So I kind of grew up, you know, when I think back, I think I grew up in, in nature. We were outside all the time. I mean, I lived on my bicycle, um, always outside. I would work at the lodge. And then my little routine was I'd work from my 10 to 1 and I'd go down and get my burger at the ice cream place and then, you know, pedal over to the beach. And we just, you know, lived uh, you know, in and in and out of the water. So when I, you know, was really excited to go to, you know, Washington, D.C., and, you know, we would always head for the trees and the, um, all that sort of thing. And, and nine, nine out of ten people got out of the city for the weekend. So it was interesting. Um, but, yeah, nature obviously, you know, nurtures. So, you know, as you go along, get a, a, you know, think about things more, nature just nurtures. And it is a spot where you can get out of stress mode. I mean, as simple as the pine mint tea. Um, I was giving people pine mint tea for years now. And then, you know, things come along and go, wait a minute, pine <laughs> and pine mint tea I'm like well I've been doing that for years and um, so it was nothing really out of the ordinary uh, we learned about it from the Native Americans here we, we developed a program um, uh, called the history uh, basically a hist- uh, Adirondack food history dinner and part oh. of it was pine mint tea they did pine mint tea because and if you think about tuberculosis it wasn't just the fresh air it was the pine air and everything in the air and being outside and, you know, breathing air and being with communities. Healing at, in the sense of tuberculosis was community. You came to the woods to heal. Um, you weren't allowed uh, bad words at dinner. You were, you were supposed to eat together. You weren't allowed to talk anything negative. You sat on the porches in the pine air, and you, you, know, you connected with nature and let your body do its thing. How wonderful. There's a, there's a wonderful book by um, Diana's Bareford Kroger uh, uh, called The Call of the Forest. And she was an MD who got disgusted with that industry, I'll just say it that way, and went on to get her PhD in botany. And so you have a cardi- – her specialty was cardiology. And she did a lot of research at looking at nature, and she did a – focused on areas in Japan where they actually have forests with paths dedicated for people to go walk in. And the function in in her observations is that all the oils and esters and essences and aromatase that are coming out of the trees and in the forest, people are inhaling. Mm -hmm. And as they're walking through, and, and her research looked at cognitive improvement, mood improvement, all the benefits of being in a live vital forest is really quite amazing. And so talking about pine tree tea just makes sense to me. Of course, pine tree tea. Let's have some of that. Um, mm-hmm. So where you live is magical in that essence. But just the idea of as a child growing up and being in the, you know, the forest of being living like a, by a lake, all of that vitality. And I, I imagine there are animals who know that there's benefit to that. Well, maybe not. Nature is pretty just self-winding, knows, does because it already knows. And we're just trying to figure it out. But, I mean, that idea of coming to an area to sit on the porch and to speak kindly to each other and to inhale and breathe and be outside, wow, what a radical idea. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. There is a book and, that Martha Rabin, there's a book called The Healing Woods, actually, about um, a woman with TB who just came to live outside in the summertime. Wow. And healed from TB. And what are the characteristics of TB? Do you know? I mean, it's pretty much gone at this point, um, but it was, it was huge. I mean, I know it was a bronchial condition, but I, was, I don't know mm-hmm. the actual characteristics. Do you know that? Um, yeah, much like what's going on now. It was a respiratory Okay. Um, it was called consumption because people couldn't keep weight on, so they were 
in the beginning of TB, they were giving nourished foods. They were giving farm foods, fresh raw milk from good farms, um, mm. eggs that weren't pasteurized, and uh, even um, Dr. Trudeau, whose son is actually the Doonesbury character, um, wow. who writes the Doonesbury character. Uh-huh. Um, they're from this area, and he was all part of the lab um, and eventually, you know, developed, um, you know, uh, you know, drugs and antibiotics for TB, but the the original healing was, and then food got processed in the in actually the 20s, which is really interesting. So the 30s and 40s, um, health started going downhill, according to a really interesting study by Weston A. Price, who talks about traditional food preparations, which I kind of specialize in, um, with a not-for-profit organization called the Weston Price Foundation. Um, they're very active right now with what's going on very verbal. So um, if you're into that, I, I recommend you check them out. Um, we had Sally Fallon here and did a conference here. But it's all about traditional food ways. But um, the TB, again, you know, the pine, the, they sat them on the porches. They had eggs. They had, you know, uh, fresh food um, and a lot of it in little bites because they couldn't really digest that well. So that was the, the whole premise with that one. And it changed. Now, TB, I could go into a whole rabbit hole of TB, but, um, and we're now because we're learning about more about the terrain of our body is a lot different than we thought in terms of viruses, bacteria, blah, blah, blah. It's very different than what maybe we've been taught in the past. Um, and TB really is a part of a healing mechanism, just went chronic. Um, oh. And so to look at that, back at that now through uh, what I call the ancient biocodes is really again that's a whole no- <laughs> that's a whole another rabbit hole. But so TB for me is interesting to look at now on what they went through and what we're learning. Um, and my husband does a whole little speech. We do a speakeasy in the winter actually, which has been very very popular. I thought, what are you doing? I'm not interested in the 20s. But come to find out, the 20s was really a downturn of food and food processing, um, health products, um, candy uh, increase. Um, it was really amazing how the 20s was really kind of a turnaround, and I hope we're ending up in the back, turning back around kind of from where we went with that. So it's really interesting to look at that time period. Well, it was part of the, that, oh boy, that was almost a bad word, a bad period of technological revolution was sort of mm-hmm. the Kellogg's time when it was, mm-hmm. you know, the, Kellogg, the other Kellogg's, the one that had the healing clinics, that was a whole other wackadoodle. He meant well, I think. <laughs> but it was just the idea of what they were doing, as you say. You know, they took advantage of the technology of, you know, taking a grain and smashing it and making it into something else versus taking a real food and cooking it. Right. It was all mm-hmm. about the convenience and the thing and slowly then it cascaded into, so you're creating these foods and we, so we need more grain. I'll pick on poor old wheat. We need more wheat. So therefore the wheat is, is now, because we need so much of it, we have giant tractors tilling giant farms that the wheat, the wheat is weak. So we need to invent a weed killer or they chose to invent a weed killer. That's sort of like, as you said, there are other things. That's a whole other show. Mm-hmm. And we had the cascade effect of we just kept adding more to it, chemical fertilizers, and then the chemical fertilizer stress out the plants and struck out the microbiome of the soil. And we end up in the 20s of like, oh, my God, what are we eating? What's going on? Um, I know the audience is tired of hearing about my grandmother who lived to be 106, <laughs> but my grandmother lived to be 106. And part of the reason that she lived to be 106 is she ate organically her entire life completely unintentionally meaning she died somewhere in the 60s. And she grew up and her husband grew their own food. And they grew it organically because they didn't, and they didn't know what that was. That was just how it was cost effective to grow food, meaning you had cattle, you fed them, you grazed them, you took their manure, you mixed it in the soil, you let it go fallow for a season, you had grasses growing on it, then you'd work those into the soil, that would build the nitrogen. It was, it was organic, because that was the cheapest way to grow food. Mm-hmm. And she lived to be 106 without ever having a condition other than one day when she was 102 falling on the front porch on the stoop when she was sweeping snow off her front porch. Broke her hip. Go ahead. 
Well, the other people that, um, thing that people don't really realize, I think, when we talk about food and organic and that sort of thing, we have gone away from the actual preparations that made it healthy, that made it nutrient-dense. Um, to pick on wheat for a minute, um, I know, you know the, the poisons they've put on it is incredible, but it is not the gluten per se. Um, you know, the Swiss, the Swiss people grew up on cheese, which is dairy, and bread. But uh-huh. what did they drink? What did they eat? They ate raw, you know, they drank raw milk right from their own animals, and they made bread, which was, um, which was, I hate that even the word sourdough, but that's what it was. But it broke down the gluten before it went into a loaf of bread. And I think that's where we lost the preparation methods that were good for our body. Um, and it's really funny that the last couple of years, people started making sourdough again. Yeah. Now, to me, that's the second dimension. I do kind of a, a nine-dimension. Um, I know people have different uh, um, uh, definitions of dimensions, but I look at kind of the nine levels of, uh, I guess, nourishment is what I've ended up calling it. And if I look at that as the second dimension, and we're fighting, we've been having a fight with the second dimension with viruses and drugs and things like that. Um, and all of a sudden, the nature brought back a good part of the second dimension in terms of sourdough. Everybody was making sourdough. Those are microorganisms that are good for you that actually, if you make a, a loaf of sourdough bread, it, um, it uh, breaks down the gluten before you get it into your system. So we are, we're also making food different than we did just a few generations ago. If you look how food was prepared prior to refrigeration, it keeps 100 times more vitamins, nutrients, Enzymes, which is the big one, um, tons more enzymes where digestion was easy. It's even harder now because of the things we throw in our mouth. So our, our digestion even takes more of a toll. But if we prepare the foods the way that they're broken down to begin with, anything from live apple cider vinegar to sourdough bread that's actually broken down and risen in, in a symbiosis of microorganisms, not just the fast yeast and breaking down the grain and throwing it into a fast loaf of bread. Um, as you can tell, this is a little bit of my soapbox. So <laughs> we have to remember how to nourish ourselves and even through um, yeah, looking at just the past preparations, um, are amazing, and that that would really, really, really help as well. There's something I observed because I listen to a lot of tech shows. I was amazed, and this is a phrase I don't use very often, but in this instance, I will toss it in. You know, thanks COVID, because I saw just the most amazing group of nerds and wonks and all sorts of people that I would have never expect talking about sourdough on their shows. Like, oh, my God, I have a starter, and I have to take care of the starter, and how do I maintain my starter? And, like, actual serious, really hardcore tech nerds Mm -hmm. going, can we talk starter for a minute? I'm having problems with my starter. It doesn't look happy. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? What Mm -hmm. am I doing? So it was like this whole resurgence of starter, like it was something they, you know, like invented or come up with because there's a whole benefit of also if you use a wild yeast and let your sourdough get Mm -hmm. some of that ambient stuff happening in your own environment you're getting the benefit of that as well i mean sourdough is of course i'm near san francisco so it's the sourdough capital of i don't know what right but i mean it's Mm -hmm. been like doing this forever but the idea of these kinds of okay i'll jump on with your soapbox in a best of Mm way fermentation could we bring back fermentation for goodness sakes Mm -hmm. just a little bit of ferment the culture's I'm a big fan of things like kimchi and sauerkraut and all sorts of fermented foods, not so much the fermented mm-hmm. fish. That's a really tricky, very specific yeah. palate, very specific palate, and it's not mine. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a huge fan of fermentation. And, and also, as you said, all those enzymes, enzymes of the sleeper and all that vital real food, the kind of thing that you are a fan of and I'm a fan of as well. It's yeah. and nothing but good. If they take, um, you know, because everybody does know San Francisco sourdough and everybody probably buys that. I actually created a sourdough challenge so you can make your own. Because even if I, you know, even if I, hey, ship me, a, you know, some sourdough, some San Francisco sourdough, if I made it in my kitchen, it would end up Adirondack because the, the yeast and everything, the magic is in the air. And, yeah. you know, if we want to go into frequency, the local frequency of those yeasts. So you get, yeah. you're, you're more akin to, 
nature where you are because those local frequencies are actually helping make your food. So you're more grounded in the space, we're talking about holding space, um, in the space you're at. So those kind of things, um, you know, it, again, to me, it's the second, second dimension, the way I um, interpret it in nutrition. They're helping you digest the food, make the food, uh, you know, have all these enzymes in a really, um, you know, for this audience, say local frequency level, you know, local nature level. Mm-hmm. And it brings you into, you know, as we think about indigenous peoples that traveled, American Indians. Mm-hmm. And how they traveled, or any of the immigrants. Having grown up in California, I grew up in areas where there were immigrants coming across the border every season to pick the fruit or do the work or grow artichokes. I grew up near the Salinas Valley. So it was a massive amount of egg. And there were a lot of people who were coming across the border to do work and then go back. And so you think about that. They're bringing things from Oaxaca or Mexico or Michoacan or Mexico or wherever. Things up here that they brought with them, and now we're getting that mix into our I'm going to jump here for a moment to talk about how I think it was William Davis who wrote a recent book about super gut. And I think we were talking about people. There's been observation. I I haven't found the study yet that the people who travel and eat, you know, local foods as they travel tend to have a stronger microbiome, gut health, and pathogen activity because they're getting stuff from all over the world and building on things they didn't have, probably. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about. The, the other side is, as you make your sourdough and you have your sourdough challenge, you're getting the benefit of the local fungi, microbes, all that into your gut to bring you in harmony with nature, which is nature is all about harmony. I can't make that into a question, but I know you have something to say about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. But the people traveling too, they're actually grounding themselves in the local in the local area. They're not trying to eat San Francisco sourdough over in Europe or, you know, uh South mm-hmm. America. They're eating the local food. So they're really um, you know, grounding themselves into the area they're you know, they're at and, and adding to their microbiome, which is a whole symbiosis of wonderfulness mostly when it works right. <laughs> Mostly. That was good. (laughs) Mostly it's good. Yeah, supposed to be. If we ate more along the lines of what you're talking about, back to nourishing space, um, which we'll dive into now, I think, because I'm always happy to talk about food. But the idea of what, what are some of your ideas about how, well, let's say some people come to a retreat and you're doing cooking classes. What are some of the things that you're showing or demonstrating or getting them to be have their own aha moment of going, oh, you mean if I do this on a regular basis, I'll have benefit from eating? Mm-hmm. That seems to be, you know, I think that's such a powerful thing. Please talk about that. Well, now, you know, just what we've been talking about, uh, every time I do a cooking class, I always mention the Western Price Foundation and how to prepare foods. And it used to be, you know, even a few years ago, people, some people would be really interested and some people would just glaze over. And now I include this with every class that I give, um, even in the dining room sometimes if, I, if you get me going. And, you know, I'll tell them, well, you know, it's really about preparing food with all these, you know, enzymes and vitamins. And, you know, why are we lactose intolerant? Because we're, we're drinking milk that is ultra-pasteurized now. The molecule is different. Our body doesn't recognize it. People used to grow up on milk. Uh, people, you know, bread is biblical, for goodness sake. You know, what went wrong there? Because we switched the way that we were eating it and preparing it, well, preparing it, um, and eating it as well, um, long story there that everybody knows. Um, so I'll mention that. I'll go, oh, yeah, okay, that's different than I thought. Um, I show people how to cook with essential oils to up the vibe of their food and use the frequency of essential oils. Um, good quality. You don't go out and buy some crazy cheap essential oil and do it. I love doing that because that's something a lot of people, essential oils are really popular now. It used to be like woo-woo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're really popular, and I cook with essential oils. Um, I tell them about the ancient uh, preparations, and I try and give people really simple recipes that, hey, I, oh, so many people say they don't cook. And I don't know if you have an answer to that, but I don't. They must go out. They, you know, what did they do the past couple of years? I don't know. But that's why, you know, again, thank you, COVID, people are more interested in how to be healthy with food 
um, you know, making their own, um, you know, going more back to the source in a number of ways and um, and finding that. So I have a whole lot of fun uh, telling people about things in a way that they might not have realized it. And, and again, working with frequencies of food when I can throw that in. If I see them going with me down the rabbit hole, then I'll start going into frequencies of food and how to up the vibe and stuff. <laughs> yes, that's wonderful. There's a, I, I'm, I wrote this down because I can see this as being a great the title for a great show. What went wrong there? <laughs> you and I could do a whole show on that. That would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later. Um, all that leads me into you have a really prolific YouTube channel. We'll just call it prolific. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow, <laughs> it's great. And one of the ones that I fell into was the uh, Wellness Wednesday, Self-Care from the Sound of Your Voice, February 23rd, mm-hmm. 2022. Mm-hmm. 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 And this is all about nourishing our bodies. You're, it's all, you, you come back to, in such a great way, always about nourishing our bodies. And as a chef, I think you were there, and now you've added this piece of, you've, you've obviously been a possessed researcher, I resemble that remark, so I can say that, mm-hmm. that you really are, why aren't we doing this? How about this? What about that? Let's try this. Yeah. It's all, everything's a recipe in some way. Mm-hmm. And now you've added this recent, you know, over the 30 years of research on Sherry Edwards' work and using our voice as a way of guiding or observing or having a measurable way of saying, oh, I did that and look, this went up or down. Talk more about when did Sherry's work come into your purview and when did you decide to go full metal jacket and become a bara and all of that. That's an amazing segment right there. Uh, Yep. Um, I I don't know how I found her, but, you know, you go down the rabbit hole in frequency and I'm always like, yeah, I want to know what those are. I mean, I – you know, who knows if there's past lives or not, but, you know, I am into how does this blueprint work? Where where do the frequencies go? And when I found her work of, wait a minute, here's the frequency in a muscle, or, you know, we can take your voice print and see those numbers. Because I've never been into numbers, ever. I hate math. Um, <laughs> but I found these numbers, and I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh. I spend hours, like, you know, other people do, going into these voice prints and going, oh, my gosh. And I think it was last June um, there was a class, so um, – I joined the class, and uh, Roberta is a wonderful teacher, and um, started down that and just tried, you know, was exploring. My my husband has some eye issues, and he refuses to go to the doctor. <laughs> so he's like, you're going to fix this. I'm like, well, that's not quite the way it works, but we're going to work on you, and you're going to understand a little bit more. Um, and then over Christmas, I mean, I have a story that I, I did put in the, you know, I thanked um, Sherry very much in the forum um, because I actually think this saved my life. I have never, I don't get sick very often, and I don't worry about getting sick. I have never been afraid I was going to die. Um, but over, I see a lot of people here in the wintertime where actually, you know, where, where you, you know, might think this is slow. We've had this wonderful speakeasy and playwright experience, and it's been very, very popular. So we're booked on weekends, and I see 80 to 100 people on a weekend flow in and out. And, um, a few months ago, I started, uh, my heart started freaking out. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. I mean, I would sit, it would, you know, bump around. It would feel like it would flip. And I would be on the couch, and it would literally kind of be so um, um, <laughs> amazing that it would literally shift me sideways on the couch. And I've had mm. that happen before, but through my other energy tools, I calmed that down. And this time I went, wow, this is a little intense. And then I started not to breathe very well. And I didn't even know it. And I've had this kind of in the winter a little bit where my, um, if you think about um, the emotions of, um, hey, uh, you know, fear and all that sort of thing in the wintertime, we always never really knew how we were going to get by. Um, And that started to flip around. But anyway, that one episode, I thought, you know what, I am just going to, I'm going to follow my own program. You know, a little voice in my head was like, Kathy, if you don't do this, you're never going to forgive yourself if you live to tell about it or if you don't want <laughs> to tell about it. So I remember going to, to sleep one, that one night going, you know, if I don't wake up, so be it. But what I did was I, I, had, I took my voice prints. I saw what I need to be nourished from listening to Sherry 
over the time that I um, had started, I knew um, the uh, supplements, so I went full tilt on voice prints, nourishment by food, nourishment my supplement if I thought I needed it, and just tried to work it out in my own mind. And um, I was walking around with a tone box in my uh, in my head just just to work because I couldn't mm-hmm. climb stairs. And if anybody knows me, I can run circles around you know anybody that works here. I don't care what your age is. Um, these teenagers, I can run I can run circles around them, and I'm going all day long. So for me to be in one spot and not to move was really really fearful. I'm like, okay, fear you're not going to get the best of me. Nourishment, we're just going to go for that. I am not going anywhere else except. Um, within myself to do this, and here I am. So I am so thankful that I found this when I did. It, it has been absolutely amazing, and uh, yeah, I'm, that's why I started the Wellness Wednesday and trying to you know start to tell people about um, you know what you can do with a voice print and um, how you can start to really and, and in in my little specialty learn to be nourished. So. Yeah, that I had a person. I never had one of those healing stories, you know, people going, oh, I, you know, I do this. I'm thinking, I don't have a healing story. Well, you know, you get what you ask for, so there I go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there is, there's also the, um, now I can't find any other way to say this. There is also the empathic part, I think, can be tricky sometimes. When you, sometimes you can take something on because you're thinking about something, thinking, thinking, thinking. This is how my brain works. Thinking, 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 thinking. And sometimes, up until maybe 10 minutes ago, no, really years ago, I realized that I could think myself into something. And I'm not, I'm also not a sick person. I don't, you know, yes, we talked backstage that I had issues 12 years ago that where I was hospitalized and had 30 hours of surgery and all that. But even during the time when people would come visit me, I was just myself. Yes, I had tubes and stuff and it was bad and there was pain and it was, but I was still, you know, talking to people and just going with it. Okay, this is happening. This is really weird. Why is this happening? And all the time I'm having people smuggle in supplements and give me good protein shakes and certainly not eating the facility food for goodness sakes. Wow. Um, And all that. And it's, there is that empathic part where you're around people and you're helping people heal. And sometimes you can take stuff on without knowing it, mm-hmm. which all goes to the quantum field and all goes to talking about energetics and symbiotics and symbiosis and all of that. Do you, do you, do you have practices where, or, well, you're in forest, you probably go into the nature and you clear yourself is what I would call that. Some sort of act of a conscious act of, clearing yourself so you don't take stuff on. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I do. And that's why I was like, well, wait a minute. Why is, you know, why, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm not, this isn't supposed to happen to me. Um, but yeah, it's like I, but now I know how to go through it. And I'm like, it, it was, to me, it's like, how do you know what supplements you need or foods you need and where you, you know, and like I said, I just, I love researching. Um, I'm just finding out uh you know, never any endpoints, but um, so yeah, this, I mean, that experience helped me to go, wait a minute, yeah, if you're nourished, your body knows what to do to heal. If you can stay out of, you know, fear, whatever emotion it is that you're, that you're into, um, find the nourishment you need, how to stop the, um, the chronicity of the highs and lows, really, you know, keep those highs and lows balanced, your body knows what it, what it needs, um, or what it what it um, what it can do as long as it has what it needs. Um, going back to the Western Price, he found people. He was searching healthy people who were living into their hundreds. You know, happy communities, healthy communities, amazingly healthy communities, um, and they had access to food. The other communities that weren't doing so well didn't really have access to um, good food. Uh-huh. And uh, so it was interesting, and and you know, support too. It's all you know how to get out of stress so that your body knows what it needs, how to get the nourishment. And, you know, for me, by looking at the frequency, I go, oh, that's high, that's low. That helps me know what I need and what I don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can, there's so many different sources that you can get through, through frequency, tones, energetics, um, you know, food itself, nature itself. So, yeah, finding, finding the, the area where you can get what you need from. Mm-hmm. 
When I interviewed one of the authors of the, the, I think the book was called The Longevity Study, and they looked at zones around the world mm-hmm. and yep. of where people lived a long time. And one of the example, two of the examples that float up into my mind are uh, Sardinia, a small island off of Italy, and also in Japan, where as people get older, the for some reason, well, I think this is uh, the men of Sardinia were one of the longest living. And what they eventually figured out was these are pe- these are cultures where they herd sheep, and they go out and walk with the sheep most of the day. They're out walking up and down hills and mountains and whatever, and have goats. And I mean, they're they're physically active, and then they grow their own food. They eat their own. They're doing everything that we're talking about. They're living that organic lifestyle, but they just don't know that it's organic. There mm-hmm. is no magic. They're not going to Whole Foods and buying organic something. They just grow their own food. This is how it's done. And they're physically active all day. And they live a really long time. They and grounding. it's not magic. They're out grounding all the time. Yeah. 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 And then the, another culture was in Japan in the older cultures, not so much the modern style, but the older cultures. Whereas even as they become, you know, as they move toward retirement or less work perhaps, they spend a lot of time in the garden possibly raking sand, which everybody, when they see that cinematically, it's always like, oh, my God, no, not this. We're going to do this. This is so slow and tedious. But everything's very thoughtful and very meditative, more as a lifestyle than it is actually necessarily the act of meditation. But, again, it's the same thing. They become, back to where we started a while back, at one with their environment, Mm-hmm. They're really being in in the now or in the moment with all the magic words of talking about meditation and being centered and all that. And again, eating a fairly simple fish, rice, food, broth, minerals, nutrients. They eat a lot of fermented foods, natto, one of my mm-hmm. favorites. Mm-hmm. And they live a long time. And again, it's not like they're... I'm in California, so it's very much that California lifestyle where everybody's at the gym and beating themselves up and doing the thing and blah, blah, blah. They got to, you know, like, just go out and take a walk in the nature. (laughs) Stop that. Um, Again, I know you have something to say about that, but I can't form that into a question. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, just a simple follow-up is, yeah, you, you, you sit here and you, and you think when I was in Washington, everybody had the, you know, the treadmill and they went to the gyms and like, but isn't this what you're supposed to do outside? And yeah, it's kind of <laughs> simple. It just boggles your, don't, don't you, yeah, I. Yeah, go out. Of course, you. Yeah. It's hard to, you know. Where you live, it makes sense to go outside. If you live, yeah, right. I've never lived. I've never lived yeah. in a yeah. a big city area, so mm-hmm. I'm not a city person to begin with. Yeah. Um, so the idea of I've I've worked with people in the city. I've done events in the city, and I'm always sort of like I'm a little dog off the leash in the city. It's not my thing. The activity, mm-hmm. the noise, the chaos. It's just not really my thing. But as I say, I'm a guy standing in a room talking to myself. So it's a <laughs> and gyms can be a, a supportive community too. I mean, people go and do get support for yes. you know, if they, yes. especially if they live alone. So certainly, there's there's that. We just got disconnected from the ground and the, again the microbiome in the soil and the you know what we're supposed to have is good air and all that uh, you know and all that. But yeah, yeah, so. yeah. You live in a magical area. Of, it must be amazing air quality where you are between the vitality of the forest and all the ions coming off, negative ions coming off of the lake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it must just be vital to be there. Yeah, and that's why I said even when the, I am looking forward for the ice to go out because it is just like literally a, a breath of fresh air when the lake turns over and it opens up and you get all that, you know, of course we know, you know, water is really cool anyway with frequency and, and all that sort of thing. And um yeah, that lake is uh, has an inlet and an outlet, so it flows. It has a flow. Wow. Um, it's not stagnant, and it goes, what we think, through our portal and all that sort of thing. So I just really love being out and in that air when the, when the uh, lake goes out. Wonderful. Wow. And, wow, we're here. We're almost here. I'm surprised. I want to ask you a question about in that same, I believe it was in that same video on Wellness Wednesday, you were talking about, Quercetin, which I'm a big fan of. Two things I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of. Well, I'm a huge fan of many things, but quercetin, 
I think is a sleeper, and I know that Knack is a sleeper. Could you talk a little bit about quercetin? Because people seem to be just recently kind of like, oh, quercetin's important. Talk yeah. a little bit about well, from I've... your research on quercetin. Um, well, my research well, basically with, with that info started with Sherry's when I started listening to her um, um, and, and in the, um, the sound and realizing what, you know, what it can do for us and where it is. I mean, I've, you know, you learn a lot about, you know, I never wanted to be a nutritionist because I knew kind of, I mean, what they were saying didn't really jibe to me. It's like, yeah, we do need those, but maybe not quite. And I could never put a handle on it. And, um, only through kind of, you know, studying and listening to Sherry and all this work with bioacoustics, I go, oh, we get how that works now. There's things that I never really knew about, which, which is, you know, quercetin. You know, I knew I was doing, you know, pine mint tea, but, um, you know, and then here comes the pignaginol sort of thing. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So the, the quercetin and, you know, the NAD and the NACA, that got me back into um, if I didn't know about that, I don't know where I'd be. Um, you know, I didn't know specifics about that, and that just helped me tremendously. So I was just taking what kind of worked for me and saying, hey, you might want to look into this. Or, uh, you know, somebody says they're having trouble with, you know, energy or getting back on their feet. And I said, you might want to look into this. And some people just totally ignore me. And they're just fine. What can you do? Um, but, you know, I know what helped me. And when you look at voice prints and say, hey, that's, you know, down or up, and I never really look. I don't think we really understand the synergy of how all this is working. So I look, what's up, what's down, where do we want to balance, and what do we need to, um, you know, and thankful for Sherry's work. We, we kind of know that now. We don't have to guess, you know, if you're working with a bearer or someone or, or yourself, if you get into this, you understand what you kind of need. So when I look at, yeah, you know, vitamin C does this or NAC does that or whatever, I'm more of a concept person um, and say, how, how does the synergy work and where are the highs and lows and what does it look like to, um, to bring things up and down? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never tell people what to eat or go, go, eat, your, you know, go eat your broccoli or, or whatever. Um, I was never kind of that way. Like you eat what you want, you eat how you want. And no matter if you want to be a vegan, you know, go for it, a vegetarian, uh, um, you know, whatever you want to eat. That's totally fine, but understand what nourishment is coming from that or not and get it a different way. I mean, if that's where you're at, then that's fine. You know, some people are like, well, I eat meat. you have to eat meat to be healthy, or you can't eat meat or you're going to, you know, the spiritual part of it or whatever. Um, like, I don't really care what you eat. If you come to me, I don't really care what you think about diet. Just understand where you're nourishing yourself and where, where you're not, or you're just never going to be healthy anyway. I think the or not category is I think the or not category is really important. The um a long time ago I got my degree as a master herbalist and had a retail herb store in a national mail order catalog. And a lot of times people would come in and they'd particularly the vegans would come in and want to be like cranky and pissed off and because I was trying to say, well, maybe you need to have a little, you know, high-quality protein besides tofu every once in a while. And they'd go off on the thing. But they were coming in because they had some sort of imbalance. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really true. I mean, I've, I've worked with and know very healthy vegans, but it's really hard. You have mm-hmm. to pay a lot of attention to your intake to get the right or a good, healthy balance of fats. And I'm not picking on vegans in any way. I'm just saying the back to your term of or not. You know, it's not mm-hmm. so much about maybe what you're eating. It's maybe about what you're not eating. Mm-hmm. And that can yep. be really tricky. And I would say to everybody, eat more fermented foods. <laughs> that would be the one thing I would say. Yeah. And, Trust and, fermentation. Yeah. And we know there's breatharians. I mean, there are people who don't eat anything. We know mm-hmm. that that exists. I would not want to be one of them, nor do I recommend people to be yeah. one. But, no. that, but that does happen. So you can take it in literally through the air, through frequency. We know that's possible, and that's why you know that you know, frequency, you, know, you get the right combination and it works because there are some people who literally do not eat or eat very little, and they're still very, you know, what seems to be very, I would love to get a voice burn on those guys, um, uh-huh. seem very healthy and nourished. And there's people who teach people how to be breatharians. Um, so we know, for, you know, to me, that shows, hey, they're getting, they're getting frequencies from, you know, from the air, prana, chi, whatever you want to call it. Somehow right. they're getting that. But I don't think a lot of us know um, 
no, either know we can do that or know what we need to do that or, you know, however all that works for, you know, within your individual self um, to be healthy. So, you know, for now we're we're still looking at, and I, mean, I love food and I like preparing it um, and uh, I like nourishing people and, you know, part of it is, you know, eating in community or family or, um, you know, I know people who eat by themselves, so, um, you know, all the time it's like, nope, log on, we'll, we'll have dinner together. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I really like, back to community, I really like the gathering. One of my favorite things to do is to go to somebody else's house that has a really great kitchen and make food <laughs> with them or make food for them or, you know, they're usually gathering because it's fun to, if, if you get to cook with somebody who's cooked professionally who isn't snobby about it, doesn't have that Gordon Ramsay syndrome. Um, you can, you know, it's entertaining for people to watch and talk to you while you're doing it or they're helping mm-hmm. you do it. And so yeah. I really enjoy that gathering, preparing, making, sitting, enjoying food. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, there's conversation, yeah. there's great meals, there's, oh, this is really, what did you do? How did you make that? I, I, that's one of my favorite things to do. That's like high-end entertainment for me is mm-hmm. to get together with people and make food and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean, yeah. again, and not, not in this ridiculous way, um, but in a way of the food is fuel. Given the, given the chance, our bodies will heal itself if we give it everything that it wants in order to achieve that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the funny thing about being a chef, though, or and I, and I still don't even think I'm, I'm a chef. I just, I just run the kitchen. I cook for people. Is they, yeah. they won't invite me over because they think, well, you cook and you eat all this good food. And I'm like, well, no, I have my pizza, and I, I, would, I love for people to cook for me. <laughs> No, oh, yeah. Not invite me just because you say I, you know, I do what I do. But um, yeah, I love to have other people cook for me. So. No, <laughs> I, I feel the same way. No, I love having. There are people. There are Italians that I love to go visit because I love that style of food. Is that especially the older crowd who's like making their own pasta and the whole the process of doing it, the the care and the love that goes into making your own pasta, right. making a sauce from mm-hmm. scratch. I love great mm-hmm. food. And it doesn't have to be gourmand. It can be a great taco. You know, it's just whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, okay, we'll do a whole other food show sometime. I am <laughs> surprised to say, how do people find out more about your information? Where can, their fi- where can they find the amazing Lake Clear Lodge webcam link? <laughs> and do you have an up-and-coming – I think you have events coming up. Talk about our event, some of your up-and-coming events. I do. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, where we are is the Lake Clear Lodge, so it's lakeclearlodge.com. And if you do a backslash webcam, we have, it's taken us years to get it. We finally figured it out. We have a live webcam over the lake. So you, mm. yeah, actually, we just got some snow yesterday, so we're still a little bit snowy here. Uh, I think it's going to be cold, but yeah, to see the, the lake go out and watch spring come, the sunsets over this lake are literally out of this world. Um, and we have a sunset view. So if you ever want to log on at sunset time and, you know, in the east, um, you know, grab a glass of wine or coffee, whatever, um, and watch a sunset on your big screen TV if you're sitting in the city, um, I invite you to watch the webcam here because it is amazing. Um, the loons, the, the, you know, there's some wildlife. The sunsets are just, just amazing. They're really magical. Um, I also have another um, energetics website called Nourishing 9D, nourishing with the number nine in D. I call that my woo-woo website and the lodge. Now I'm I'm uh, finally combining who I am, so I'm really excited about that. I'll be having a few of my own retreats here at the lodge. Um, that's on the Lake Clear Lodge website under events. Um, we're going to be having other bearers. Actually, Kathy Nagy and I are uh, planning a retreat here. Um, I have right. other wonderful uh, folks who are into energetics um, that are coming. Uh, we've had different people. We've had harp. Uh, literally the the musical instrument, a harp retreat, uh, photography retreats, and I invite anybody who is looking for uh, what I consider a wonderful wonderful place with some nourishing food to come and get the whole package. Literally, um, the healing woods, um, the food, the lodgings were all made by hand, um, literally from the trees that were standing on them for 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 some of the houses. Uh, we've done pretty much all of our own work, so a lot of <laughs> a lot of love and and heart and soul goes into the place. 
Um, and then April 20th, I'll be doing an international summit on U Wealth. It's the U Wealth Revolution Summit, which I'm really excited about. Um, and I'll be doing my Nourishing Your Multidimensional Body package. Um, uh, it, it'll tell. Uh, it's all about a kind of. You go through another interview of, of what my program's all about and what I do, and I do them online as well as, of course, on site. Um, but I have a lot of one-to-one -one sessions that I do. Um, I'm, you know, started to include the, uh, you know, the sound health work, and um, the food, even like developing a quantum pantry, like how to up your vibe in the kitchen, how to clear your kitchen, different things that I, I always say I'm really not about food, but. Apparently, I'm about food, and this is my specialty, and, and getting to be known for, for that in one direction or another. So, yeah, I do a nourishing your multidimensional body, and I can do sessions online off the Nourishing 90, I think, uh, store or something. Anyway, it tells about the different sessions I do, including block therapy, which is moving um, nutrients and energy through your fascia. It is so fascinating. And uh, so it's even little exercise program that I got certified in that uh, is absolutely amazing. So. All right, I'm I'm not going to. I really want to ask, but I'm not going to. We'll have you back for part two. Uh, that okay. was really great, Kathy. <laughs> that was big fun. I knew it was going to be fun, but it was even fun. <laughs> if that's a word we can use. Um, uh -huh. All right. Yeah, and, and and on your mind, I think herbs are are kind of the they're the quiet. I mean, we drink tea. For me, anyway, herbs have been kind of a quiet new exploration that I need to do, um, and that's one thing I did do when when I wasn't feeling my best. Was I drank a lot of tea and looked at the herbs and and things that I thought I was missing too. So I think that's kind of a almost it. Everybody knows it's there, but they don't know the power the power of uh, the plants in in healing too. I mean, a lot of people learn to it, but you know, for me, it's I use it, but um, that's another thing to go down and that's learn a whole other more show. of. That's a great. I'm happy to talk about that any time. Um, okay, uh, everybody else, have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again, Kathy. Yeah, thank you very much. Bye-bye.